Good morning, Christ of the Lord. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good myself. It's funny, I woke up. You know how like Facebook and Google Photos remind you of certain days? Like pictures and stuff? Well, this morning I woke up to some pictures of a car wreck I had three years ago. Today. It got so bad that you know, I was pissed off in rush hour traffic. Guy was playing with his radio, didn't see that traffic come to a stop, hit me. The force took it so far that I hit the car in front of me and it compiled three cars ahead of me. And the time your adrenaline kicks in and you're like, check your body, right? Like, I'm cool, I'm, I'm good. Like, get out of the car, the guys can cuss, he's out and dazed, he's, he doesn't know what's going on. Someone's like, the leans over and says, hey, I'm calling the cops right now. Cool. And I'm sitting there like, wow, that was two days before Christmas, and I had just put my two weeks in at my job. Right? I'm like, oh no, I just stole my car, and I don't have a job. And it put me in a different mindset this morning about how thankful and grateful I am. Because it wasn't until the next day that I could understand the damage that was caused. I went back to the lot the next day and I saw how big the frame was. I saw that my niece was in the back seat she'd be in some serious damage and hurt her pain right now. I thought how grateful I am just to be alive and for airbags. I had an interesting week this week. I found out that my niece declared that I was going to have Christmas. <laughs> and when a six-year-old wants to have Christmas at her uncle's house, I guess everyone wants to go along with it. But wait a I was under the assumption that it was going to be at my mom's house. It's going to be at grandma's. I'm going to have a good time. I don't have to put any decorations. No cleanup for me. I can bring my presents, eat a bunch of food, take some back home with me, and call it a day. So, this week I had to do some last minute preparations. I had to put the Christmas tree up, put some things outside to make it look like Christmas. <laughs> because the worst thing is, is I don't mind putting it up. It's taking it down, right? Some people wait till like January 15th to take it down, right? Thank you for that a few days off. It'll be coming down right after Christmas. I also had to do some last minute Christmas shopping yesterday. <laughs> and going to the crowds that were out there, I am not alone. I am very thankful for a pickup at store. I order online, pick up that store, you know I can park at East Pakistan. <laughs> I could go in and out. I was very thankful for where technology has brought us today. Because uh, last minute Christmas shopping was not as stressful as it always been. And it got me thinking, I was like, man, we have all this business going on around the Christmas time. Some of you are extra prepared. Black Friday hits, you've got your Christmas list, your are here going, maybe you listen to Christmas music November 15th on the radio. I don't know why they play it so early, but uh, they do. And some of us wait till the last minute to get into the Christmas spirit, into the Christmas mode. 
And I postulate that's the main majority of us. And it took 2,000 years ago, a lot of people couldn't get a Christmas spirit at the right time. So today I want to postulate how we are able to actually miss Christmas. And how it applies to us today. I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 2. There's two accounts of the Christmas story in the Bible. It's in Matthew and Luke. And we'll be switching back and forth. And I'm thankful that the writer brought their unique perspective because we get the full picture of what went down uh, on this incredible day that we celebrate 2,000 years later. It says, Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. It makes sense. You want to know how many people you can go to war with. You may have people you need to take care of. This makes sense for a government to take the census. And then at that time, you had to go back to your hometown. So verse 3 says, everyone went to their hometown to register. The issue is, is um, Mary's about to blow. <laughs> right? I guarantee you Joseph was trying to hope in and praying that maybe will come before they make this trip. He was going at the last second. He's like, hopefully we can just, you know, the baby will come out and then make the trip. And unfortunately, the prayer didn't get answered. And he had to make a trip with a waddling Mary. Okay? On the back of the donkey, I'm sure he heard her ear for it. Verse 4 says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. I underline, no guest room. Think about this. If you are an innkeeper, and you have no rooms available, business is good. Would you agree? You are, this is great, right? You can just charge search pricing, right? You get to go, maybe get, people are ordering room service, all this different stuff. Business is going really great if you are busy this time of year for an innkeeper. And so when this couple comes in with this newborn, he has to say, hey, there's no room. There's no room available for you. He has no idea who these people are, what that baby is, what it was about to happen. And unfortunately, he probably looks back at it now, but that was the greatest opportunity he missed in his life. Not to be able to have room for the Son of God. Could you imagine? He'd be booked for the rest of eternity. Not, to, not just that weekend, but for the rest of eternity, you'd be seeing daytime commercials to book your hotel room in the, in the hotel Jesus was born at. You'd be good for life, right? 
Many people make the, the trip to Jerusalem and do those walkabouts and everything else, see where Jesus was at, where he preached at. To this day, 2,000 years later, we're still amazed about it. Imagine if you could stay Airbnb at the hotel where Jesus was born at. You got to book your, your hotel room two decades in advance. It would be the greatest PR you can ever have. But are you too busy in your life during the Christmas holidays that you don't have enough room for Jesus? Too busy running around getting Christmas gifts. And for those people you don't really care about, you get the gift cards, right? <laughs> well, you know pastor's a picky man, so you got to uh, let him get what he wants. Too busy running around, making sure you get the honey-baked ham and the sweet potatoes and everything cooked and ready to prepare so you can eat. Making sure that you watch all six basketball games like I would be um, on Christmas Day. Um, too busy to understand the reason for the season. The innkeeper was too busy. He was busy. He missed Christmas that day. The very first Christmas he missed because he was too busy. We get to see a couple more characters come up here in Matthew chapter 2. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from, from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called them together, all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." The second people that miss Christmas is the religious leaders. They were so familiar with the Christmas story that when the king came to them, they could recite Micah chapter 2 like that. They understood it. They knew what was going to happen. They knew how it was going to happen. It was going to be to a virgin mother. They knew where it was going to be born at. And so when King Herod comes to them, they're like, hey, What's this thing about king of the Jews? They were able to tell him immediately. Some of you are so, have been coming to church your whole life that you're bored of the Christmas story. You've seen Charlie Brown Christmas about 500 times. You're done with it. <laughs> right? You know that football's going to be taken out. We just know that. Uh, he goes for it every time. We know it's going to be taken out. You're bored with the Christmas story. They fell asleep at the wheel because it had been so long since God had spoken to them. They were going through the motions, just waiting for the birth of the Savior. Maybe they stopped believing that it actually would happen. The distance, can you show up that map? 
I went to Google Maps. I wanted to see the distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And these are the walking directions. It is 5.7 miles between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. I know some of you in this congregation probably did that yesterday for fun. Running, okay? It's an hour and 45 minute trip walking. That's walking. We're not catching the bus. We're not, you know, catching a donkey or stuff like that. That is simply walking. And so when the king comes to them and says, hey, I heard about this story about the king of the Jews was born in Bethlehem. What do we know about this? You know they never got up and actually went to check? Look, if I know that Jesus is going to come back in a particular town, in this day and age, you know where the Christian church will be posted up at? Every hospital and looking for the return of Jesus. We'd be sitting there posted up. There would be a technology database of every virgin mother, right? There would be all kinds of stuff. We'd be trying to figure out what is going on and where is the Savior going to be born at. But they had become so familiar with the Christmas story, maybe they had lost faith and hope that they were so lazy they couldn't even walk an hour and a half to go see if this actually did happen. Magi from the east come in and have to tell them that this story had happened. Are we too religious that you can't even get excited to celebrate Christmas? You're just going through the motions. You showed up here today at church because dad brought you like he did for the last 30 years of your life. And that's what we do on Christmas. We go to church we go home, maybe we go eat some brunch, we go to Nick and Jake's or whatever, and then we go about our day, and that's just the routine. That's the routine we do. We say happy holidays because we don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> and we become so religious that we actually forget why it's such the most exciting and celebrated holiday in the world. It's the most advertised, it's the most lucrative. There's no other holiday in the world that shares Christmas. We'll go on. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Verse 13, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. 
King Herod is an interesting character because he was very paranoid. He loved power and what that brought to him. But he was so afraid that someone's coming for his throne. This king of the Jews, I'm the king of the Jews. This is my territory. I control the eastern border of the Roman Empire. This is what I do. No other king, there's no other going to be another king of Jews ahead of me. He was so paranoid, he executed his wife when he, when he thought she was conspiring against him. He executed three of his sons. He executed another wife and a mother-in-law because they thought he was, he was, they were conspiring against him. On his death, he rounded up all the Jewish leaders and had the decree to execute the Jewish leaders on the day of his death because he thought that at least someone will be mourning on the day he dies. He was paranoid. And there are so many people afraid to acknowledge the birth of Jesus Christ, same way King Herod was. He was terrified of it, afraid of it, because that means that he's not the king of kings. He's not in charge of his own domain. That's why people look at you strangely when you say Merry Christmas at Starbucks. I said that yesterday at Best Buy, and the cashier looked at me and says, not too many people say that. He was shocked. And I had the audacity to say Merry Christmas. Well, it's the reason why I'm here, okay? <laughs> so why some people hate the sight of nativity scenes. Look at the newspaper. You'll see nativity scene desecrated over and over again. You have to see churches try to raise funds because someone came through and took their car and just ran through the nativity scene. Because people are afraid and hate to acknowledge the birth of Jesus. Hanukkah didn't save me. I'm, I'm sorry if I offend anybody in here, but I'm going to say Merry Christmas. Don't throw up any other fake holidays in, in front of me. That's why it's amazing to me why you're not a, a Christian, but you open up your, your gifts on December 25th. <laughs> Verse 16, it says, When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. My niece is here today. She is one and a half years old. If Donald Trump came and gave the order to kill every two-year-old in the city of Kansas City, we're going to have some problems. I will be taking up arms. Take that sweet innocence out. You, you're going to have to take all my dead body, you would. He's so afraid that he literally tries to kill Christmas before it starts. Yeah. 
Because Herod was a god in his own eyes. He did some great things. He rebuilt and renovated the temple, Solomon's temple. Made this big, huge, grand, grandiose for the king of the Jews. He wanted everyone to know who did it because he put an inscription on every single brick in that temple. This is what I did. Bow down and worship me. Solomon didn't do this for you. I did. He was a god in his own eyes. And sometimes we have that struggle too. Husbands, look at the look at your, at your wife when she opens up that present tomorrow. And it's not like a gift she really wanted. <laughs> Lady, see the reaction your boyfriend gives you when you don't give him what he thinks he deserves. Because we can be the gods of our own selves. We don't want to lay down our life and give it to Jesus. We walk around with King Herod trying to kill Christmas so we can feel better about ourselves. Make it about me. You know, I was laughing because my niece, I, I was laughing because my niece was telling me how excited she was for Christmas, and she should be. She's six, okay? She should be excited for Christmas. I remember me and my sister, who's here today as well, we would set our alarm clock at 6 o'clock in the morning and get up so we could open up presents. Now that I'm older, I'm sorry, Mom, Dad. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry because I know what she went through the night before, and um, to wake you up that early is, is cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> But too many of us still act like that six-year-old kid expecting something out of Christmas when it ain't about us in the first place. So how do we avoid missing Christmas? There's a couple people that, in, in the Bible that avoided missing Christmas that week, that day. The first one with the shepherds. The shepherd's out in the field. Imagine being a shepherd. You've got a lot of free time on your hands. You're out in the fields, just hanging out, chilling. There's not much going on, right? So I'm sure they, they were playing games. They were cracking jokes. They were doing all kinds of st stupid stuff to pass the time. They're kind of outcasts because they're not really in society either. Like his own little clique they're in. They weren't invited to Christmas parties. Right, the, the company holiday party they weren't invited to because they had to sit there out in the field watching sheep. The angels knew what was about to happen. They couldn't contain their excitement. So they were able to come to shepherds and express what is about to happen. Say, hey, in the town of Bethlehem, you need to go see this. This is about to go down. Jesus, the Savior, the one we've been praying about for 400 years, is here. Go see it. I mean, what else, what else are they going to do? Right? <laughs> I mean, like, okay, I'm sure they elected one to stay back. And, hey, to make sure the sheep are good. And they left. You can avoid missing Christmas by being like the shepherds and being available. 
setting some time aside to actually remember the reason for the season. All right. I know some of you, I had a holiday Christmas party. I had a friend's holiday uh, party to go to. I had a pastor's Christmas party to go to. It's been a busy season, right? Some of you have to go, I have to go to my, you know, well, my family's coming now. No, 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 no. My family's coming to my house, <laughs> all right? I might have to go to my dad's later on. There's going to be basketball, much, much like two sets of gifts going, opening up. It's a lot of stuff going on on Christmas. Are you going to be able to set the time aside to be available to thank God for what you did? The shepherds did just that. Instead, Luke chapter 2, verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Some of you, when, when Isaac comes up here in a little bit, have some reason to be praising. Look at the past year of your life. You, some of you have had some clean health reports. Maybe you've gone through some surgeries and recovered. Some of you have got the new job promotion. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> some of you are in a new phase in life. You've got many things to be thankful for. Maybe a new grandchild came into your world. Some of you may not be feeling it because you lost a few people. You lost some loved ones. I was talking to a, a young man today. I was talking about he had to put down his dog this week and how he was struggling with that. It's a tough thing. That was the toughest thing I ever had to do in my life. And you're not really in the Christmas mood. But they're gone because they're no longer suffering anymore. They're no longer in pain. They're no longer hurting. It's okay to put that dog down. Do the most humane thing possible. Don't let that dog suffer in pain. We're easier, we're better with our dogs than we are with people. <laughs> so when Isaac comes up here in a little bit to sing, be available. Be like the little drummer boy. I don't have many gifts to bring. If I bring this, this is what I have to offer. This is what I got, and I'm thanking you for it. Yeah. And the last people that I want to bring up that, that shows an example on how to miss Christmas with the Magi. We don't know their backstory. We don't know where they're from. It says they go back to their country. I don't know what country. They understood this, and they're just like, hey, this is not our religion, but they said that there's going to be a king in Bethlehem, and I see this star like it was predicted. I'm going to go see what this is about. Some of you have been coming to Christ up north, and you haven't made a decision yet. You've been coming here just to see what this whole Jesus thing is about. They heard the sign, and they went. They heard the call, and they went. They bought their gifts. And when they got there, they saw what had happened. They immediately began to worship and praising them. We don't know what their life is like afterwards. I guarantee you it was changed forever. There's not a story in the Bible where someone was introduced to Jesus, their life didn't change. That's the same then, and it's the same today. 
If you want to know, have a life-changing experience, don't wait till 2019 to make a New Year's resolution. Make that weight loss. You want to lose some weight? Read this. You'll see the baggage gets lifted off of you. That weight will be on, you'll be, you'll be, you couldn't lose that kind of a weight. All that baggage and everything else because you're the God of your own life. You're too busy to celebrate Christmas. You're too religious. It doesn't excite you anymore. Be available. Understand this. And hear the call. If you feel like God's calling you right now, don't hesitate. Don't be like the religious leaders. This aisle is only a few feet. They had to walk a mile, 5.7 miles. You have to walk a few feet. Make that call today so that you can truly celebrate Christmas. I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Fields today. Let's go.